Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. All right, welcome to Save the Cowboy. Uh, Today is Palm Sunday. Today starts what is referred to as the Holy Week, uh, probably the most important seven days in Christianity. Today, Palm Sunday, is where we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into uh, Jerusalem and where he rode on a donkey's colt in there. They laid down palm branches as a sibling. Uh, signifying peace, and then seven days later, Jesus is betrayed and crucified. Three days later, or five days, what is it? I don't know, whatever it is, how many many days? And uh, he died three days, rose from the dead. So today, it's going to be kind of short, just because we did have a crosswalk. And I love what what, uh, Pastor John over at Majestic View said, as three of us pastors here in Kiowa were carrying the cross the rest of the way, he looked over at me and he said, me and you will never preach a more powerful message than people driving by and seeing three churches coming together uh, for one purpose. And I certainly, certainly agreed with that. So uh, today is, uh, I've entitled this uh, Palm, the Palm Sunday probability. Today's going to be a little bit different. I was raised in the First Baptist Church in Big Lake, Texas, and I remember one sermon from my childhood. One sermon from my childhood, and it was about probabilities. And the guy that said it, he's going to go, he went into a lot more detail than uh, that I'm going to today, probably just because he was smarter than I am. But uh, it, it's a different way of looking at Jesus and the Holy Week and just what he was able to accomplish. So uh, many moons ago, uh, me and a bunch of friends were out hunting, and um, we were... We were drinking Cokes, okay? We were drinking a lot of Cokes while we were hunting, and we were throwing the Coke cans in the back of a, one of the guy's pickups. Well, it got to be kind of a, a competition to see who could make it in there. Well, there's only throw, you, you can only throw an empty Coke can so far, so they started putting you know rocks in there. Surprised we didn't break out the guy's back windshield or Dennis truck, but I think he had enough coke in him that he, you know, Dr. Pepper that he didn't really mind. And so they got further back and further back, and before too long, this is like a Hail Mary's, right? Whoa! Throwing at this truck. And so I didn't participate because I'm not like those heathens. And uh, picked up my own rock. My buddy got back there. He's like, hang on a second. He said, what? I said, I'm going to knock that can out of the air. He said, yeah, right. You're not going to do that. I was like, try me. He said, all right, you ready? I was like, yeah. He dropped like, back like Patrick Mahomes and just, woo. 
And right at the top of the curve, I let that rock go. I hit that can. And everybody was like, no way. How did you do that? And of course, I just meant to do that, right? It's not bragging if you did it. The odds of that happening, though, seriously, they're astronomical for non-Texans. It's a little bit, I mean, if you're from Texas, it's not astronomical. It's a little bit lower, you know, than that. But still, it's a tough shot. It's a tough shot. So today, we're going to be looking at some other astronomical odds of stuff that happened. Uh, for all transparency, these what we'll talk about today didn't come from me. It came from a guy named Peter Stone, who is a, let's just say he's a really smart guy, okay? Really smart guy because he does a lot of stuff with math and statistics and stuff like that. We're going to be looking at eight prophecies that Jesus fulfilled out of the Old Testament. Now, we're going to be talking about eight of them. He fulfilled over 300 different prophecies. But, and really, except for one, there's really no rhyme or reason. It's just these are eight that I picked. The first one, first prophecy that we'll talk about, these are not in any order or anything like that, is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That is a fulfillment of prophecy from Micah 5.2. It says, but you, this is God talking, but you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. Jesus being born in Bethlehem, and this really smart guy tried to figure it out with the population of the world at that time, and, or you know something like that. And he came to the conclusion that just this prophecy alone is 1 in 280,000. 1 in 280,000. So only one person out of 280,000 people was born in Bethlehem, right? And then the next one is that a man would pave the way for Christ's ministry. And that is a fulfillment of prophecy from Malachi 3.1. Look, I am sending my messenger. Once again, God speaking. Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So one person may be being talked about being born. Okay? Well... This guy figures that's one in a thousand. One in a thousand that somebody out there would have somebody announce somebody else's arrival for whatever reason. For whatever reason. One in a thousand. The next one is being betrayed by a friend. Psalm 41.9 says, Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. One in a thousand. One in a thousand. How about Jesus being betrayed 
for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah 11:12 says, And I said to them, If you like, give me my wages, whatever I am worth, but only if you want to. So they counted out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. And that's what Judas was paid by the Sanhedrin to betray Jesus, was 30 pieces of silver. What does Mr. Stone say? One in a thousand. One in a thousand. But how about those same 30 pieces of silver thrown down to use to buy the potter's field? Zechariah eleven thirteen. the very next verse says, And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, this magnificent sum at which they valued me. So I took the 30 coins and threw them to the potter in the temple of the Lord. What are the odds of that? One in 100,000. Now you have to understand, these odds are just that one person fulfilled them, right? One guy did this, one guy did that, one guy did this. You know, one in 100,000 right here. How about this one? Although Jesus was innocent, he kept quiet during his trial. That is a fulfillment of prophecy from Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led, to a, led like a lamb to the slaughter, and his sheep is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth. One in a thousand. So basically, if somebody was innocent, completely innocent, treated harshly, put before a trial, and they never say a word in their defense, one in a thousand. One in a thousand. How about the most obvious one? That Jesus was crucified. Psalm twenty-two, sixteen says, My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. The odds of being crucified in that day, just anybody being crucified, one in 10,000. One in 10,000. And as we celebrate Palm Sunday today, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and I, I am a little bit sad. I asked John for the DVD, but right now, over at Majestic View, 400 people are watching a video, and I'd never heard this before, that uh, when a new Caesar was chosen or came into power in Rome, they would take a triumphal march through Rome to announce that they were the king. And this guy takes Caesar's walk and parallels it with Jesus' walk through Jerusalem with the cross, and that's why I want to see it. John just said there's so many similarities and everything, and the people of the day would have known this. And it's just a cultural thing that we have lost today. But we're talking about Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey. That is a fulfillment of prophecy from Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble 
riding on a donkey, riding on the colt of a donkey. Now, Mr. Stone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to disagree with him on this one because he says one out of a hundred. One out of a hundred. So to me, that says that out of every hundred people entering Jerusalem, one was riding a donkey. I want to know how many of them were riding a donkey's colt that had never been ridden before. I'm thinking one out of 10,000. Okay, that's the only, I'm not a mathematician, but that's what I'm thinking. You know, if you never, you'll never rode a donkey. Oh my gosh. I can't help but see the miracle because every donkey I've ever ridden, man, you got to pull it this way, you got to pull it this way, and you got to you know, spur it real hard. And this one just walked in with Jesus on it, right? That's a miracle in itself. <laughs> I used to work for a horse auction whenever I was going to college at Texas Tech. And we would have to bring in these little donkeys. And there was one rule at this horse auction. If it was of the horse species, donkey, mule, horse, whatever, zebra, I don't know. We never sold an unhalter broke animal. And we never did. Most of the time they were haltered right before they went in the ring. Guess who got to lead them in the ring? The big dude. 135 pound big dude. And when we'd lead these donkeys in there, you know, <laughs> they'd be like, the other guys would be patting on the butt. It's like, it's okay, come on, come on, hitting with a hot shot, <laughs> you know, where nobody could see it. And we'd get this thing out in the middle, and if it didn't fight and fart and just get all kinds of mad, if the bidding wasn't good, the auctioneer would look down and say, you know, y'all are lowballing this. Y'all don't know what kind of value this little donkey has. And everybody sits there and he goes, because he rides. Kevin, get on and show them how this, this donkey rides. <laughs> Let me tell you what a donkey can do. When you get on a donkey, it can buck, kick you, and bite you before you come off. <laughs> it's You don't know how many times I have been... A donkey has reached around, grabbed me by the pants leg, and threw me like a coyote. It just pinwheeled me out there, and then come over and stomp me. I don't know why, but it always started the bidding. <laughs> yeah, I'll give $100 for that. I didn't know if they were buying the donkey, or they just wanted to see it happen again. But the fact that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a, on a not just a donkey, on an unbroke colt. Is amazing. He says one in a hundred. One in ten thousand, I would say. So all of these are odds that just a single person fulfilled that, right? But what are the odds? If you take all of these, being born in Bethlehem, one in 280,000, that somebody would pave the way for Jesus' ministry, one in a thousand, betrayed by a friend, one in a thousand, betrayed for 30 pieces of silver exactly, one in 1,000. Uh, those 30 pieces being used to buy the potter's field, one in 100,000. 
keeping quiet during the trial, one in 1,000, being crucified, one in 10,000, and entering Jerusalem on a donkey. He says one out of 100, I say one out of 10,000. What are the odds that the same man completed each of those? Well, this is where the smart people come in because they figure it up. Just these eight prophecies of Jesus that Jesus fulfilled is a number that starts with one and it's followed by 28 zeros. That is the odds that one man fulfilled these eight prophecies. Think about it. I wonder what the odds are of one man completing over three or fulfilling over 300 prophecies. It's mind blowing. It's staggering. But you know, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I mean, we can all imagine, you know, like one with 28 zeros. Does that really mean anything? Ty asked me, well, what is that number? And I'm like, a bunch. It's, it's scientific. I looked it up. One with 28 zeros is called a bunch. So I've got an illustration. It didn't come from me. It came from the same mathematician. And it has to do with Texas. Texas is a big state. Texas is a really big state. Got some facts for you, just to put it in perspective. Did you know that if you drove from the very, very tip of Texas, which is Harlingen, and you, did you know that Harlingen is, is uh, more south, more southern, southerner? It's below Key West. I mean, it's way down there, right? But if you were to drive from Harlingen, Texas, and you would have to kind of bend a little bit, you know, to stay in Texas, but when you crossed into Oklahoma, if you left Harlingen and you stayed in Texas and you were driving north, when you reach the Oklahoma line, you are eight miles shy of halfway to Canada. It's a big state. Did you know that El Paso, Texas, which is the furthest west city in Texas, El Paso, Texas is closer to Los Angeles than it is to Houston. And Houston is closer to Tallahassee, Florida than it is El Paso. Big state. Big state. So what does that have to do with one with 28 zeros behind it? This is what the great mathematician Peter Stone says. Take a silver dollar. Take a silver dollar and put an X on it. And then add one with 28 zeros, other silver dollars, and lay them on every square inch of Texas. The coins would be two feet deep. That's what one followed by 28 zeros, silver dollars, but there's one in there with a mark on it. So we throw this out there, 
Michael, the archangel, comes down and, you know, shuffles them all up like dominoes, right? And then you take a blind man and you turn him loose. And you say, you know what? You can go anywhere you want. You can go anywhere you want. But your goal is to find the one coin, the one coin that has an X on it in the state of Texas Two feet deep in coins. The odds of him finding that coin is a one with 28 zeros attached to it. That's only fulfilling eight prophecies. Eight you know, and, and, I, and I think it's great. I'm the one that does it. We, we, we preach about faith and we preach about trust and following Jesus and everything. But you know what? Sometimes it takes something like this for us to maybe look at something in just a little bit different light of just what God accomplished. You know, and I mean, this, this is from a mathematician. He's not a theological guy. They approached him and asked him to figure this out. And he did. He did. What would it be like? What would the odds be for over 300 prophecies? I don't know. They didn't go that far. There's probably not a number big enough. This week, we're going to celebrate Easter culminating on Sunday when Jesus rose from the grave just like he said he would. Just like he said he would. Uh, Friday night, I went to uh, a man's 80th birthday party. And we went and saw the movie Risen. I don't know if y'all seen it. Need to see it. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal movie. And at the end, Jesus is talking to Peter. I think he's talking to Peter. Or he might have been talking to the commander or somebody. He, Jesus is talking to somebody. Okay? And the guy says, I believe. And he says, you believe because of what you've seen. How blessed are those that believe that do not see. It's talking about us. It's talking about y'all. The, the evidence is overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. You know, during that movie, um, Pontius Pilate um, plays a big role in that movie. And if you've been to Israel with us, it's a phenomenal trip. Phenomenal trip, but there was debate because nowhere in any Roman records or anything, the name Pontius Pilate had never been found. They thought it was just something that somebody had made up. But in the late 50s, they were excavating around uh, Israel. I don't remember where it was. Um, and they found a stone mentioning the prefect, Pontius Pilate.
that validated what the Bible had been saying. But blessed are those of us who believed without ever seeing. Do you? Do you believe? It's the most important question any of us could ask. And when we talk about belief, we're talking about a life-changing belief inside of us that drastically changes our lives forever. Because we can believe that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Is that going to change your life? Probably not. But when you come face to face with the risen Christ, you can't help but be changed. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you as we enter into this holiest of holy weeks between Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem where people were praising his name and laying down their coats and palm fronds so that the colt's feet didn't even touch the ground. So a few days later, when those same people turned on your son, gave him a mock trial and killed him. But God, we thank you that Jesus took our sins and took our place on the cross so that we might trade his righteousness, his perfection, and be able to spend eternal life with you. God, I pray that all of us are changed, not just this week, but the rest of our natural lives. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.